0: Rock Seller Magazine. Hi, I'm Lisa Loeb and I have a brand new
1: album out. I just want to let you know I have a new record out called Run To Me.
0: Hi, Hi. we're Pablo Cruz. I got our new single. I've got new music.
1: I got a new hip. No, 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 no. Not not that kind of hip. Contests, giveaways, prizes. Daily free newsletter. Never miss out. Rock music news delivered.
0: Rockseller slash subscribe. And I really want to thank you all for joining us. So, today my guest co host is Nick Mancini. Excited to have him today. And along with that, we have Danny Jenklo and Cameron Graves. But before we go any further, we will be hosting the Warner Park Ranch June 27th to kick off summer. They will be holding weekly concerts until September 5th. And opening is Alunus Ticket to Ride leading Beatles tribute bands and VCF's favorites that will take us through the celebration. And we want you to join us. Head on over to valleycultural.org for more information. And I did some actual really normal things today. I actually went to the gym. That's normal, right? I mean, everybody has a gym membership. Everything's opening back up. We started off really small, you know, cause I want to get that summer body ready, but it looks like it might be ready by winter. So we don't know. <laughs> I did about 30 minutes, you know, total, 10 cardio on the machine and about 15 minutes, taking those selfies. Cause I had to show everybody that was actually at the gym. Wish me luck you guys, <laughs> it might be ready till next winter. So we're going to do another normal thing today. Before we start with our guests, with our show, we're going to have a word from our sponsors.
1: Hello and welcome to the Valley Cultural Foundation's Arts on the Move event. I'm Congressman Brad Sherman from America's best named city, Sherman Oaks. If you or someone you know is having trouble dealing with any federal agency, perhaps a stimulus payment or difficulty with a PPP loan for small business, call my constituent services office at 818-501-9200. My staff works very hard, they'll solve your problem, and then I, Brad Sherman, take the credit. I think that's a great system. Again, our number is 818 501 9200 I'm Congressman Brad Sherman.
2: Good morning. At Amazon, we have husbands and wives that work together, daughters and mothers that work together, and we feel like a family together.
1: You drive a home, right? Done always. My name is Deontay, and I work with my fiance, Tiara. It's just fun to work with my best friend. <laughs>
2: My daughter. We rely on everybody else. It's like a big, huge family. I'm very thankful to have that. Love you. Love you. The type of relationships that you create make you come in with a smile on your face.
0: Welcome back to the show. This is Arts on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Calypso, and I'm excited to have our next guest today. He is my co host. We'll be sharing the stage with actually a vibraphonist okay it took me a while to say that but i learned a new word today we have composer arranger and band leader his name is Nick Mancini Nick welcome to the show thank you for coming
2: It's Travis really Clips
0: Thank you so much how are you today Good it's a good day I'm glad you're here with us so we're going to talk International Jazz Month, so you are the person, the perfect person to be talking about that and to give us some information and just to, to tell us a little bit about, you know, your, your journey and just because I, I've actually listened to jazz, but I, you know what, the music's pretty good and really soothing, like I want to go to a jazz concert now, really now because now I know what jazz music is such a good good music to feel ambient and you know, to just have like a nice cup of wine and just to enjoy with other people. And please tell us where you're from and how did you get started playing with the music?
3: Sure, uh, I'm actually originally from upstate New York, a, a small town called Amsterdam, which is about three hours north of New York City. Um, and I was uh, I, I was seduced by the drums at, at the age of uh, 13 and um, you know, did the whole high school band thing and and uh marching band and whatnot um and uh was also at the same time playing in local rock bands and cover bands and stuff and it came time to figure out what i was going to do for college um and my mom in her infinite wisdom said um well you seem to be playing music eight hours a day so why don't you go to music school (laughs) and uh and i thought she was making a really good point so um fast forward to And uh, graduating high school, I started at Schenectady County Community College. I was there for three years and then uh, transferred to SUNY Potsdam, which is up near the Canadian border, and finished up my undergrad there. Uh, There was a a band that came through from New York City. Actually, a couple of bands came through from New York City. And uh, it became obvious to me by listening to how great they were that I needed to move to New York. Um, So I auditioned at Manhattan School of Music. Um, and they gave me a scholarship which was I couldn't believe they did because honestly I, I really don't think I knew what I was actually doing but um, regardless they they uh, they accepted me and so I did my master's degree at Manhattan School of Music and, and that was where I actually focused on jazz vibraphone. Uh, so up until that point in time I had been playing mostly classical percussion, um, preparing to auditioned to be in orchestras and whatnot, but uh, had been bitten by the jazz bug fairly early on. And uh, someone had given me a Milt Jackson record. Milt Jackson is one of the greatest jazz vibe players that's ever lived. Um, and I immediately thought, oh my gosh, that's what I want to do. So um, when I went to Manhattan School of Music, I focused primarily on learning the language of jazz uh, via playing the vibraphone. Um, And then uh, I stayed on in New York City for another eight years uh, and then in 2006 moved to Los Angeles uh, and I lived in Los Angeles up until May of last year um, when it became apparent that things were not going to be returning to normal uh, anytime soon. Um, And so my wife and I uh, and our daughter at the time, she was only about uh, six or seven months old, decided we would uproot and move to Tulsa, Oklahoma. My wife is originally from Tulsa. So we moved here, and we're surrounded by family. Um, and uh, and actually, I have to say, a really thriving music scene. I mean, I've been coming to Tulsa for for visits for the past ten years because my wife and I've been together for that long. And uh, I always was able to to pick up gigs whenever I came through town. So I knew a lot of the people that that you know, booked gigs and were playing. So pretty much as soon as I got here, I started, I started getting my feet, you know, firmly settled, and um, and here we are now, uh, almost almost a year later. I'm I'm in my garage in Tulsa. I've never had a garage in my adult life, so that's pretty cool.
0: I have to add, Nick, that your mom is very smart for putting you into that music, like, let's make some money. <laughs> you know, every album always thinks <laughs> about your kid's future and how we can, you know, reverse the situation. <laughs> um, can you explain yeah. Can you explain the difference between the vibraphone, the xylophone, and the marimba? Did I say it right? It sounds very Latin, marimba. You did. Yeah, okay.
3: Yes, that's right. So they're, all three of them are what are known as uh, tuned percussion instruments, meaning that they're percussion instruments, but they have notes on them like you find on the piano. Uh, They all look pretty much like this with uh, tone bars that you play on. And then these pipes underneath are called resonator pipes and these make the notes louder. Um, So that is what they all have in common. What makes the vibraphone unique uh, in comparison to the xylophone and the marimba is that the vibraphone has metal bars. These bars are made out of aluminum. Uh, the bars on a, on a xylophone or on a marimba are made out of wood. Uh, so when you strike a xylophone bar or you strike a marimba bar, it only rings for about a second or two depending on the size of the bar. But the vibraphone, uh, because they are metal bars, can the, the, the notes can sustain for quite a long time, the same as if you were to play a piano and you can listen to the notes sustain for you know up to a minute sometimes. So um, so the vibraphone also has a dampening mechanism on it, just like on the piano. Uh, and you work that with a pedal that's down uh, located underneath the instrument. So when I press the pedal down, it releases the dampening mechanism and lets the bars ring. And when the pedal is up, it, it makes the bars, uh, it cuts the bars off so that the note is short. So I have control over the length of the note. And that that is really the major difference between um, the marimba and and xylophone and the vibraphone. The xylophone and marimba are are really quite similar. Um, They're found in different forms of music. Um, The xylophone and marimba are found in orchestral music. Marimba can be found in all sorts of folkloric music from Central and South America. Um, The vibraphone is heard Today, mostly in pop, R&B, and primarily jazz settings, although it is also an orchestral instrument. And that's how I came to know of it, uh, was it was one of the instruments that I had to learn when I was studying classical percussion. So it's a tuned percussion instrument. And if you were to look down at the, surface, the playing surface, you would see that um, the, there's a, a set of three bars and a set of two bars, and then three and two, and these correspond to the black keys on the piano. And then the other row of bars would correspond to the white keys on the piano. So if you know your notes on the piano, you can play the vibraphone
0: Oh wow. I was just gonna and say it like,
3: with these struck with these mallets. Okay.
0: I was just gonna say that those little empty brackets there looks like something was missing, but you know what you're doing. <laughs> um are you are gonna play that for us? Or <laughs> yeah, that's are you gonna play a little something for us just to hear a preview of what that sounds like, Nick? Are you gonna play sure, something for us? Absolutely. Yes? Okay.
3: Yeah, would you like me to play right now?
0: Yes, we would love to.
3: Okay, so this is an original song of mine called See You On Some Sunday. And I composed this back in, I believe, 2013. And released it on a record called Storyteller. So this is See You On Some Sunday.
2: (laughs)
0: sounds so in tune with that uh, instrument so like you were you you were in a different dimension just you know doing your thing the music was so beautiful (laughs) so soothing I could definitely just picture myself just ah calm setting very beautiful that was very nice to enjoy thank you so much for playing that for us Thank you. I appreciate it. Are you tired after you play? (laughs) Just just the question, because it looks like you were you really could not stop. You just had to like and next and next and next (laughs) and next.
3: Well, that particular song um, gets a little um, repetitive after a while. So I try to do as many different variations as possible. Um, And I'm I'm influenced by I mean, I, I don't know if I'm influenced, but I love classical piano, especially solo classical piano. And so I often try to to do things that one might hear a pianist do. And so, you know, yeah, I I get into like those those repeated sort of fast passages and stuff quite often. Um, But no, I don't. I mean, it takes an awful lot for me to get tired from playing. Now, I mean, I've been I've been doing it for quite a while, and uh, uh, you know, I've played for an hour straight. Wow. And, and not felt the slightest amount of fatigue.
0: That's awesome. Um, what, what makes jazz so different than playing other kinds of music?
3: Um, well, I have played a lot of different styles of music. So I, I feel pretty good about being able to answer this. Um, what I have noticed, it, it, so uh, the thing about jazz, first of all, the thing that, that make, makes jazz unique is that it is based almost entirely on improvisation. Uh, We'll have there will be a theme presented and then the entire ensemble improvises new variations in the moment based on that theme. And um, in order to do that uh, and and create really substantial sounding music, you have to be almost completely devoid of ego. But but at the same time, there has to still be a sprinkling of ego in there because it takes an, an enormous amount of confidence to spontaneously create music in front of an audience, obviously, right? So it's, it's this balance of like humility and confidence at the same time. And I haven't noticed that to be the case, at least for me, with any other form of music that I've ever played. With, with classical music, um, there, there isn't a, a, a lot of room for variation and, and for in, interpretation, but um, you essentially learn all of the notes that are on the page. You don't often improvise based on it. You just play what the composer has intended and you try to perfect it and, and present it in the most musical way possible. But, you know, that that doesn't require the same kind of um, piece almost really uh, that, that I feel jazz requires if, if you were to want to really be a conduit for whatever musical inspiration comes to you. So it's it's about finding this you know the uh, people in sports call it the zone where where you're so in tune with the 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 skill set of whatever it is you need to do is so perfectly um, in tune that you don't need to think about what you're doing and you can just be open to the inspiration. So um, I think that that it makes it the That that makes the biggest difference. And and then also, of course, the fact that you're improvising 98% of the performance quite often.
0: That's very understandable. Thank you so much. Don't you go away. We're going to have Danny, Janklow and Cameron Graves. Both are good friends of yours as well. You're going to be talking to them Mm -hmm. about the jazz scene. So we're going to get to know more about jazz after a word from our sponsors.
4: Hi, I'm Tim Gaspar with Gaspar Insurance. And we are thrilled to announce that we're the proud sponsor of the Valley Cultural Foundation's new Arts on the Move podcast. The Valley Cultural Foundation does fantastic work here in the San Fernando Valley, bringing arts and music and culture to all of us. Did you know U2's first concert in the United States was right here in Reseda at the Reseda Country Club? And Bruno Mars was actually discovered in Woodland Hills at Pickwick's Pub? Very, very cool. As the leading auto and home insurance agency in the San Fernando Valley, we're thrilled to be a part of all. And as part of this podcast, if you call our office and get a quote for auto, home, or earthquake insurance, you'll get a $10 Amazon gift card just for making the call. So please call one of our team members today or go to GasparInsurance.com and let us know that you heard about us on the podcast. Now, enjoy the podcast and have a great day. The Chumash people have stood proud along the California coast for thousands of years. Today, we stand for education. With our tribal youth high school graduation rate at 100%, we stand for giving. As contributors of more than $25 million to the community, we stand for the environment, diverting 90% of our waste stream from landfills. And we stand for wellness, serving 3,000 patients from our health clinic. We are the Santa Ynez Band of Chumash Indians, standing proud with the Valley Cultural Foundation.
0: Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, I have my guest co-host for today. We have Nick Mancini. Thank you so much for still joining us and for celebrating National Jazz Month. And also joining us is his friends, uh, fellow jazz makers, Danny Janklow and Cameron Graves. So if they are joining us, go ahead and Walks on into the stage of the Zoom.
5: Thanks for having me, appreciate it. I'm Danny. Nice Welcome to meet Danny. you guys. <laughs> <Welcome> <laughs> nice to meet again. you, Calypso.
0: Hi, how are you guys?
5: Hey. How's
1: everybody going? How's everybody doing?
0: Good, good. To see good. You guys. Thank you so much for joining us and celebrating National Jazz Month. OK, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, I mean, you all three of you guys are friends, right? And you also play jazz music.
5: Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Sure.
0: So, uh, D- Danny, please tell us uh, where are you from and how did you get started with playing the music?
5: I'm actually born and raised in the LA area. Um, and I was lucky to go to school at Agora High School that had a really strong uh, department, uh, music department led by John Mosley. I was introduced. At a very young age, to the music of Duke Ellington, and at that point, it was kind of a rap. Like I loved the celebration aspect of Duke Ellington's music, and I and I got into Charlie Parker, I got into Cannonball Adderley, John Coltrane, Ben Webster, basically a lot of the old school um, swing era and bebop uh, influences, and that just drove me like to really wanting to work hard and 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 going out and and searching. Uh, for the for the legends of the music and trying to get my hands on, like Nick said earlier, the language of the music and trying to understand the spiritual and rhythmic language that that was being uh, communicated between the musicians on the stage. So from a young age, from like 13, 14, I was really driven to just uh, learn as much as I can about playing the saxophone, but also about the language and uh, and... Then when I when I was able to be old enough, I went to Philadelphia and went to school in Philadelphia at Temple University. And that's where I really um, dove right into the what I refer to respectfully as the black American music uh, uh, tree, if you will, because there's, you know, in black American music, to me, you know, there's just it's more than just jazz, it's, you know, there's funk, there's, you know, rock, there's everything. Um, And Philly was to me, uh, a, a huge eye opener to the cultural aspect uh, that, I, that I was really searching for um, to be able to be a part of and learn from the authentic roots of the music. Um, and so one of the tunes I think that you're going to hear coming up, uh, Nick played on, and it's kind of tying my experiences being a California native and also having this four-year experience uh, in Philadelphia at Temple University and playing on the scene there and really growing from the ages of 18 to 22 and playing in New York. So this song is called um, When you do listen to it, I'll give you a little, a little tidbit because I have my horn right here. I wrote this song. I think Nick, Nick knows, Nick knows about this because he, he played in my band for a very long time, the Elevation Band, but I wrote this song kind of Uh, between sort of like this little line that I would warm up with and then this, that's the California part, and then the Philly part is like the hook, the bridge that has, it's a little more funky, it's a little more, um, it just has a little more uh, soulful hook to it. So this is like sort of the the Cali part. (laughs) Right. And then you'll hear the bridge uh, later on. You'll hear the bridge and and you'll you'll see how the two work. Um, And to me, you know, it just kind of embodies my experience of living in both places and uh, the soulfulness of Philadelphia, but also the 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 casual uh, chillness of California.
3: (laughs) That's a perfect explanation of that song. That's exactly what I get, because every time uh, we play that tune, we're always like hanging out in that really nice vamp section on the a and then we get to the bridge and it's like holy
5: what <laughs> it's it's all it's kind but, of that, all but that's how i felt when i went when i splashed into philadelphia i mean i felt like wow like you know this is what soul is you know like philly is just one of those towns it really is soulful a lot like detroit or chicago um you know just has has a really big big impact on whoever lives there and and everybody that lives there has a vibe you know when they play together so it's like you're either you're swimming with the sharks or you're or you're you know dying with the fishes yeah (laughs) exactly especially the drummers out in philly speaking Um,
0: speaking of sharks danny who are your influencers
5: the influences you know I, i named a few of them earlier but that that's that was more in the 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 classic jazz era I'd say I've been influenced by you know everybody from like WC to Radiohead to uh, James Brown, Stevie Wonder. Um, you know, I I I really appreciate like an authentic melodic, singable melody, and then I love uh, being able to sort of you know have freedom for the rhythm section to uh, to also kind of change it up when they want to, you know, like I, I I consider myself a pretty like open-minded composer. I try not to lock in my musicians. And that's something that I appreciate from people that I just mentioned, but especially like a band leader, like Miles Davis, uh, was so open, very specific in the way he led his bands, but wanted his musicians to attain, uh, serious freedom on their own and be able to, uh, add their own element to the music. So that's something that I, I, strive for in my own band leading and composing.
1: state properties. My wife Katie and I want to take a moment to say thank you very much for all your support throughout the years. And you know what? We've, over the years, have been supporting the Valley Cultural Foundation. The Valley Cultural Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit that brings the community together. Whether it be arts, music, there's nothing like the Valley Cultural Foundation. So give them a call, find out what it is they do, and be part of it. In the meantime, if you're thinking about buying, selling real estate, give Joe and Katie Andrews a call, and you can reach us at joandkatieandrews.com. Proud to be part of the Pinnacle Estate family. So thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon.
0: Westfield Topanga is open with over 200 retailers ready to serve you. Westfield reward members can earn 2.5% cash back when you shop at any Westfield Topanga and the village store or restaurant and up to 750 cash back when shopping luxury. So sign up today and get exclusive access to events, gift with purchases, and more. Visit westfield.com Topanga or text 818-306-5957 Six to learn more. Welcome back to the show. It's National Jazz Month. If you're just joining us, we just heard an awesome piece, a very beautiful piece, done by Danny. Oh my goodness, that was so so beautiful. We have my guest co-host, we have Nick Mancini, and along we have Cam and Grace. Thank you guys for sticking with us. That was such a beautiful. Thank you for having us, Danny. Please tell us about that. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, Where where was that? shot? Uh, Where where did you guys do that? Please tell me.
5: So you know, uh, we lost a a really amazing venue. I mean, beyond uh, amazing. I mean, it was it was our it was our musical home here in Los Angeles for a lot of us uh, in December of last year. And that's the blue whale and shout out to June Lee for 11 years of incredible music there. Um, that's where I really developed a lot of my original music. I think Nick can attest to, you know, we played a lot there. We were, uh, constantly, I felt like we were, that was where we developed most of my compositions and, this was our final concert uh, with my band there uh, just a month before lockdown started. Um, and this record, which is going to be released hopefully sometime this year, is called Live on Love Day or, or Love Day Live at the Blue Whale. Uh, it's definitely going to be a tribute. It was, it was shot on February 14th, 2000, uh, 2020. Um, and that piece, like I said before, is called California. It's off of my, my first studio album. Uh, Elevation, and the the project is the Elevation Band. Uh, And if you see uh, my second record, which I have behind me, but I'll show you a little close up, I just got some vinyl copies printed. And this is uh, Worlds Collide. Nick came out to Brooklyn uh, to record this one. We played a a residency out, out on the East Coast. At a uh, jazz at Lincoln Center for a week, and we recorded that record. So that's a follow up to that to this record. And so the combination of both "Elevation" and "Worlds Collide" is kind of the tunes that we worked with on this live record. Um, so it's live live uh, cuts of those songs, but also a few new originals. And um, I mean, honestly, it was just it was such a special night because, I mean, f- first off, it was my last show with my band before we had to, you know, call it quits for the time being. But uh, mostly, it was just such a warm evening. I I just, I love that we were set up right in the middle of the venue. Uh, So when you see the video, uh, you know, we're we're really we have audience members, you know, just 360 degrees around us and playing in that kind of environment where you can really feel everybody's energy especially with the music that I write and I'm sure Cameron could attest to, you know, like with the West coast get down and his own music, we really feed off the audience. You know, it's really a communication based music. Uh, and I think that's something that Nick was, was making a point out earlier was that like, you know, 98% of this music, I think that's a good ratio of how much we're improvising is really spontaneous. It's based on a form, you know, or a vamp, or you know, or a set of changes, or a set of what you know. However, you want to uh, uh, break it down. There's a lot of different ways to compose form, but um, what we're doing is really feeding off each other's energy. But more so than that, we're feeding off of the whole room's energy. And that night was really special. So I'm really looking forward to putting out that record, Love Day Live at the Blue Whale soon. And before that, I'm actually going to release a, a, a single that I just went and did um during this pandemic, a few weeks ago actually I I went into the studio with a new band. Unfortunately, Nick is out of town so he wasn't able to be on this recording. so it's kind of it's kind of a different project that I'm starting up. Um, so that'll be coming out soon and you can find all that uh, you know information out at my you know my socials at Danny Janklow on Twitter and Instagram and or Danny Janklow.com or on Facebook Danny Janklow music. So you keep up with me and you know, I, I love, getting messages from my you know my fans and e- emails and whatever i mean i'm i, I do really appreciate the support and I, I really love you know keeping in contact with everybody so feel free to reach out
0: that's awesome so uh cameron what are your actually your influences in music
1: oh man my influence that's that's a, that's gonna be a long conversation <laughs> 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 i mean i have I so- <laughs> and uh that's a deep question uh i mean I mean, I can tell you this, that I have, like, I have maybe about four main, you know. Frederick Chopin is one of my main influences. Uh, just the way that Chopin writes his music. Every song is significant. Every song is, is yeah, memorable. You know, you can almost sing the melodies. And then, but the way that Chopin writes is, you have to have a lot of technique to play Chopin. Um, but his songs have a simple melody and chordal structure, but you have to have a lot of technique to play his, his songs. It's, 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 it's really funny with Chopin, you know, so I love Chopin for that. It's a dichotomy where you got a lot of chops, but then uh, once you play the tune, it's, it's kind of like a simple melody that can be remembered. Um, my next influence I would say would be John Coltrane. And the whole Coltrane Quartet, that was where I started in jazz. Uh, McCoy Tyner was kind of like my bass piano player that I got all my jazz piano from, uh, you could say. I mean, you know, I mean, there's two s- schools of, of of jazz teaching. There's the Miles Davis Quintet and there's the John Coltrane Quartet. And I'm, fr- I'm from the John Coltrane Quartet. I mean, you know, me and my guys, I'm from the the West Coast Get Down. A collective out here from Los Angeles with Kamasi, Washington, and Miles Mosley and all those guys. And that is we used to jam out on that stuff all the time in high school. So that's uh that was big for me, John Coltrane. Can I interject for a second, yeah, because go ahead.
3: You just you just made me feel yeah. something that I wanted to ask you. Um I mean, yeah, we we've heard we we heard we're hearing a lot about dichotomy in, in your music and we heard about Danny's story regarding this song that he put together, his experience in Philadelphia and his experience in California together. And and I was looking at um, what Kamasi said um, about your music. And I believe it was something along the lines of uh, an almost unbelievable combination of modal jazz, romantic era European classical music, and mathematical death metal. All, all three all three forms of music by the way I happen to be incredibly fond of um, yes, but, yes. but I'm just curious like so what is what's a what is a uh, what's a writing session for you look like when you sit down and you and, and uh, I mean I'm sure you don't you don't say like okay I'm going to today I'm going to write a song that's 33 percent mathematical death metal and blah, blah. <laughs> But it com- it comes out right It comes down in your composition so how that how is- do you how, what's that process?
1: You know it's 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 been a process uh, of you know perfecting my writing over the years from all the influences and and music and gigs, thousands of gigs, you know, you know when I was about like because I've always been into rock music. I've always been since I was like eight, nine, I've always been just like you living color because I remember you said something <laughs> we were talking yesterday and you said something about living color oh, and I'm been. a total fan of. It. It's a great um, and, and, and Lynn Color and Van Halen was the, the two bands I kind of started with as rock bands go mm-hmm. and then I just started like I actually left for a while because I, I got really into hip-hop and I was doing a lot of hip-hop stuff and then I came back to it like around uh, end of high school somebody showed me like a Machine Head record and I just I just totally uh, I forgot about how much power that stuff has man I was mm-hmm. totally like I came back around, but like, man, this stuff is powerful. And then from there was a System of a Down. And then from System of a Down, I went to Slipknot. I know it sounds crazy, but <laughs> Slipknot was just like, I was, I was totally in love with Slipknot for <laughs> a second, man. I had a good friend named Kale uh, Giacchello. He's from out here. He's from Long Beach. He's a really great drummer. He showed me a sugar record. Oh. Uh, guys from Sweden. Yeah, That is and some of the most amazing yeah, stuff I've ever heard. Yeah, Meshuggah really, I know, I know, they, you know, more than the other bands, the other bands were just like, I, you know, I was just into the music and I was kind of a fan of that band. Meshuggah was like a study for me, man, like a complete study, like like Coltrane and like Chopin. Mm-hmm. Meshuggah is one of my four main influence pillars, man. Uh, they they really taught me another side to just music in general. I mean, because I mean, you know, Meshuggah gets a lot of their stuff from Frank Zappa. I mean, Frank Zappa had that had that stuff. I mean, that's kind of where it comes from, man. You know, the time signatures and the lines and all that stuff. Right. But you know, Meshuggah just takes all the way death metal. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so be and so from there, so. And so from there, around 2004, 2005, I joined uh, uh, Jada Pinkett's band, Wicked Wisdom. Mm-hmm. Okay. And at first they were doing like a R kind of R&B rock. And then I came in and I started showing Jada a bunch of metal stuff. And she really loved it, man. She just became like a metalhead. <laughs> and. uh oh, yes. Yes, yeah, you did. Uh, you know, I started because I've also I also play guitar too as well. I just I mean I don't I don't play. It's not my number one instrument to play. Like I don't have all the chops and all the theory and stuff with guitar. But I just love playing rock and metal on guitar, you know. And so we did like a whole record. We did a whole record. We put it out. It 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 blew up. We ended up doing like all the 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 festivals. Man, Ozfest and Seven Dust uh, tour and. You know, we were just, it was just, we toured like for three years on that. Stuff. And I was actually playing guitar up there on stage <laughs> and just was fully loving the whole metal community, man. I was just fully into it. And so that influenced my writing as I go on. Hey Cameron,
3: I'm curious, you know, Danny's talking about the, the whole connection to the audience and uh, and the connection to each other as musicians. Yeah. Um and I know that um, uh, that some of the, some of the venues that you've been playing with with your group and with Epic have not been your standard jazz club <laughs> type settings. Exactly, right? <laughs> like, yeah. You know,
1: at, for instance, Coachella, of course, right? Okay, was it Coachella? Yeah, it was Coachella yeah. right, or was it South by Southwest? Yeah, maybe, yeah. Um, Coachella is a very good example of a, of a venue that's not your standard jazz menu yeah. so can you can you, um, you know for for people who have
3: no idea what it's like uh, to either be a, a jazz musician or even be at a jazz show can, can you explain the difference between because one of the other places that I've seen you play was also at the piano bar which is about as the size oh, yeah. of a garage but you know what what is it what's it like uh, what's it like for you like what's your experience? Uh, in terms of connecting with an audience and connecting with fellow musicians on a huge stage where the feedback is such a different uh, a- aspect, uh, you know, being in, in such a large outdoor venue as Coachella, as opposed to being in a tight little place like Piano Bar, where where the feedback is instantaneous.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I to tell you the truth, I actually like the Piano Bar setting a lot better just because of the intimacy uh and the closeness of it Mm. Uh, it's really tough it's actually really tough on a stage like a coachella stage or like a festival stage like that uh just because you're so spread out and everything really uh has a lot to do with the your sound and your monitors and the you know your your sound check is so important man and You, you know, for a while there with the Kamasi's group, we were doing like three-hour sound checks, man.
5: <laughs> Big yeah, groups, I though. I mean, you guys are <laughs> massive ensembles, yeah. I
1: uh, you know, right? Two drummers, like, and both drummers had to get in. Every single tom had to be heard, you know.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Times two, yeah.
1: <laughs> right. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it is, it's is a lot. It's a lot. And it's very spread out. And yeah, if your monitor sound, that's very important. Like, I'm sure you guys know, like monitors and, um, you know, also visual, like if, who can see who, yeah. you know, if the, Definitely. The, the the drummers can see the bass player, the bass player, you know, uh, can see, you know, everybody up front. A lot of times the horn players can't, are are up front, so they can't yeah. really, yeah, they're not looking behind themselves, but, but uh, I've, I've always found it was a challenge on, on a
3: large stage to find sure. that that connection be- you know the, the same connection that you feel like when when literally like the slide of the trombone is going past your face you know, <laughs> because you're yeah. so close you know and, and like <laughs> and you've got to find a way to fit everybody in there and maybe you've got music stands and then you've got microphone stands and you're in a tiny little place and, and, and it's it, you know to, to going to a, to a large stage like that and, tr- and just trying oh. to Connect. But so do you feel that your that the music that you're creating allows for that level of interaction that you find in a jazz setting?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, with, with the band I have right now, the quartet that I'm using on this brand new record, it's a lot easier. Cause we said what we do is we set up, even if it's a festival stage, we'll set up really close in the mm-hmm. middle you know, mm-hmm. center stage, almost like almost downstage a little bit and close, close together as a quartet. So yeah, we still have that, you know, close knit setting and we can see each other and, you know, hear each other and just, you know, have that telepathic communication rather than, I mean, cause we did, I did a, the Hollywood Bowl during COVID last year with Kamasi. Wow. And he had all the musicians set up where he had uh, plexiglass. And we had to be set up 12 feet away from each other, all on stage. Wow. So we were, you want to talk about spread out, man. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, we took, <laughs> oh my God. it was the first time so awesome awesome I footprint on <laughs> stage like that. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> so crazy.
0: Cameron, wow. I, I do know that you are going to show us uh, a video or a, a performance.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to show you guys the, a video um, of me performing the song Red off of my latest record. I have my record right here just to show you guys. Uh, the album Seven it just got released uh, uh, this year, uh, in 2021, February 19th, and it's called Seven. And yeah, so we've been playing one of the songs. You'll you'll see my band. It's It's entitled Red. Uh, And, you know, you can, uh, you know, hit me up on uh, Instagram or uh, Facebook, Cam on Piano, DM me, whatever, get in contact. And so, yeah, there it is.
0: Okay, that was so awesome. That was red. Thank you. We did see a video of you. You went from one keyboard and you switched up on us to another keyboard. Like that was amazing. <laughs> My goodness. Congratulations to you about that.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you can't hear the. You can't hear the uh, the actual piano and band size playing, so I have to jump over to the keyboard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, what it, so since the three of you are all friends, Um, I know that, you know, Nick, you did work with Danny. Is there like a collaboration maybe in the future with all three of you guys together? What are you guys working? It would be
5: be an honor to play with you more, uh, Cameron. I think maybe we, we may have crossed paths one night at the piano bar I feel like a, a couple many times nights, right yeah, yeah okay. a couple yeah a couple times yeah
1: yeah when it was you you would come through Zane was there and everybody
5: oh, man. yeah absolutely oh yeah.
1: that was that was, totally.
3: that was that was really
5: amazing. nice times man that was really good times
3: it's it was. yeah it's, I mean at this it point was. in time I think that with between the three of us having as many projects going on as as we do and trying to trying as hard as we can to stay focused on them and another honestly another collaboration to me makes me break out in a cold sweat um, just because it's not as simple as us yeah. all like you know if we could if we could book a studio on an afternoon go in and hang and play for a few hours that would be i'm fine. sure
5: we would come up with some cool stuff though i'm so, i'm I, sure I it would be would, yeah it would yeah, be but, really cool and but, you know you know doing I,
3: I, the uh the something like remote, remote recording, it's, it's such a timely process mm-hmm. because everybody hard. has to add their part and they do. And, you know, it's it's really quite something. You know what's, you
5: know, what's wild Cameron, like you were talking about your influences earlier and like, and then hearing what Kamasi said about your music, you know, and honestly, like and, and, I've listened to your music before and I could totally hear all those influences yeah. distinctly in your music and the way you the, just the way you play the piano, but also the way you orchestrate your songs. As an arranger, as a composer, you can totally hear that that you have a love for you know heavy metal, but you also super love you know Chopin. You know it's like it's very cool that you found a way to combine all of your loves for and affinities for all these different uh, styles of music. I think it's really dope. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah.
1: Thanks, thanks so much for that. Yeah, that's a compliment, man. I, I, you know, I just it just comes, you know, you know how it is when you're composing; it just comes out of you, and you know, you just write right and, it's, and and then there it is bring it to the band you know so. i think that's
5: what's cool about you know i mean uh calypso calypso you're, you're hearing a lot of this music for the first time but that's what's so cool about about being an audience member for like original music is that you're hearing a unique expression uh directly from all of the influences that we've ever heard or ever played you know and you get to enjoy that sort of that mishmash of of influences
0: (laughs) you're absolutely right right. I'm now a fan of all three of you and I definitely am going to be listening to your music more some of you said I like it when it's more intimate you know because you can feed off the energy of the people and it's so true man I honestly feel like you guys give the same energy I know you would in a big venue or a little one and really just thank you just for sharing your music that was so beautiful I really enjoyed it
1: Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah.
0: How are you guys staying busy with with your projects or, you know, with COVID? Because I know things are getting better, but there's still it's still there.
3: Yeah. Well, um, Oklahoma uh, has a different approach to how they how they are proceeding than than uh, Los Angeles. Does um, Tulsa? You know, people are still wearing masks, but people are are also getting vaccinated. Um, uh, there are actually, I was pleased to find out that um, that uh, in Tulsa there are outdoor venues that are functioning, starting as early as March and extending well into the fall. So, um, so I have a I have a bunch of things coming up actually that uh, that are all at uh, uh, either outdoor venues or. Like indoor, outdoor type event spaces, um, and uh, and the um, the backyard concert scene is huge here. I, I can't <laughs> even believe because everybody's got a backyard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> literally every it's single totally awesome. person. That's cool. Awesome. So so that's been pretty cool.
1: It's awesome.
5: I've been working on um, uh, actually producing and hosting a, a, my own podcast uh, slash docu series that. Uh, has been really uh, a, a joy to work on. Um, it's it's a little tough to do, obviously, to coordinate people because we're doing it live at this uh, theater in downtown Inglewood called the Miracle Theater. Um, and uh, I've been really really lucky to to have some amazing conversations with um, Benny Moppin and and Lou Donaldson. We did that one over the phone, uh, but basically the, the 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 podcast is called Creative Hero, and it's um, a two-part podcast like that I'm hosting, bringing on a young up-and-coming musician. Love to have Cameron on, man. Um, if yeah. if you're in town, um, and then interviewing their their legend uh, that they look up to, you know, an elder hero of theirs. Um, and so, you know, look out for that coming soon. Um, so that's keeping me busy as a producer, and then I'm doing a lot of recording in studio with different projects. I'm working on a record with Larry Goldings. Uh, like I said, I'm doing something with um, my a new group with a single. Um, and I'm, you know, uh, I'm lucky that I'm actually teaching a lot. I'm, I'm pretty passionate about educating, so I've been doing a lot of um, zoom masterclasses and, you know, just hosting my own and, and inviting people to, to sign up for that. And then one-on-one lessons, um, which I'm really like, uh, happy that I'm, I'm, I've been doing for a long time, but I'm even more happy that I'm doing it now because I feel like, uh, it's been keeping my spirits up, uh, to interact with people and to give them some, um, some positive reinforcement and also, you know, constructive elements to get better during this, you know, wacky time we're living through. So I'm really, I'm really blessed that I'm keeping busy with, with those projects and, uh, love to hear what you're up to Cameron. Hey
1: man, that's cool. Yeah. I'd love to be on that podcast, man. That'd be cool. That'd be be dope, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I just been, you know, I really actually, I'm working on a I'm working on a, a a TV show right now. A TV show for the Planetary Prince.
0: It's gonna
1: oh, be an animated awesome. show. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And uh, cool.
1: a lot of that comes because I've been trying to bring this book, the Book of the Urantra book, the Book of Urantra. I've been trying to bring that to light since I started this, you know, endeavor with the 2017 record, Planetary Prince. And so now I'm going to fully just dive in and that's what I've been doing. So I'm working on the treatment and I'm working with a a graphic artist right now, working on kind of like the, the animation of the planetary Prince and uh, his corporal staff, which are, which are called the life carriers. And, uh, and yeah, they come from another place in the universe and then they come and they bring this uh, crazy music and crazy knowledge. And there's gonna be a lot of twists and and uh, and all kinds of um, all kinds of stuff in that in that TV show, man. So so I'm That's just exciting. getting started on That's this. Exciting. Yeah, so I've just been working on that the whole time. <laughs> That's so exciting. I'm just practicing my bebop scales. <laughs> Yo, I'm doing a lot of that too, man. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: chatting, yeah, for sure. <laughs>
0: Well, Danny, Cameron, and Nick, uh, we really want to thank you guys, you know, just for schooling us on jazz on the different aspects of it. The metal, the sweet, the smooth, you know, the the perfection. I learned so many words today. <laughs> I definitely have to thank you guys. <laughs> um, we're so excited because, you know, you guys have awesome, amazing projects coming up and we're, we can't wait to see what that comes into. And I know something happened because some collaboration is going to happen. Mark my words. Oh, definitely. It happen. Uh, really quick. We will be hosting the Warner Ranch Park, June 27th. Okay. Weekly concerts through September 5th now that's your summer made right there okay go to valleycultural.org we have a great light show for next time we have uh we're going to celebrate cinco de mayo okay it's a mexican history our next episode may the 6th okay it's going to include one of los angeles most famous mariachi groups the mariachi linda mexicana and also joining us the Delgado brothers and conjunto jardin so we cannot wait for that. So you know what? Join us next time.